Welcome to Ethereal Underground. This is episode 34, and I'm your host, TNT. I'm happy to have a special guest, a good friend on this episode. We're able to get our times coordinated. And just like the other guests that we have, I'll have him give a little brief introduction, a little bit about his past what generation he is doesn't have to give a specific age some some do but you you don't have to but just general idea your generation where you grew up do you have any siblings uh what led you to where you are today did you go join the military uh did you go to college or were you an entrepreneur self-employed or a life experience always interesting to get people's background and then we'll get into where he, he is today and then pick his brain. He's got a wealth of knowledge and, and some questions. This is unscripted, so it's whatever on the fly, what what we feel like discussing. Now, Greg is, I, we call him, I call him Bio-Greg, because that's kind of his avatar on uh, Discord, Bio-Greg. So that's interesting, kind of gives you a clue, uh, biology. Maybe he's got an interesting background in that. Well, with that being said, for episode 34 of Ethereal Underground, Greg, we welcome you on board. Glad to have you tonight. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Chet. Um, I am 66 years old. Uh, I really remember while well, I graduated high school, uh, just before the mid seventies. So I've, I've got a chance to see quite a bit of history here in our country and experience, uh, oh, a lot of uh, traumas and quite a few trying times that our country's gone through. I, uh, uh, I was born in Colorado. I'm a Rocky Mountain boy. I really enjoy the mountains and uh, have always felt uh, uplifted. Uh, whenever I go and when I get a chance to be there. Uh, I currently live at the base of the Colorado Plateau in a uh, town called Hurricane, Utah. So why would they call it Hurricane? Well, if you live here for a while, you get to experience 90 plus mile an hour winds. <laughs> and so you wouldn't think it, but we're a funnel that leads up to the Colorado Plateau from where the desert meets the mountains. So it's kind of a fun place to be. We are the entrance to Zion's National Park. So it's a very beautiful place. We live on the desert side, but like I said, we could be at 10,000 feet in about 40 minutes and 45 minutes. My wife, uh, whom I really love and appreciate, um, we met here in Utah. Well, first, I guess I better go back <laughs> a little bit. Um, I was raised a Mormon. 
and uh, really uh, heavily indoctrinated, uh, heavily. Um, I went through all their programs and uh, it's kind of interesting because the whole time, I think with myself as I was growing up, I kind of had a, a sneaking suspicion that uh, we weren't as elite as they'd like us to believe we are. Of course, every organization likes to think they have a quote unquote, the whole truth. But uh, as I, in my childhood, I realized and I felt as a Christian that I was no better than anyone else. And we were no better than any other group. And like you, Jed, I, I realized that, you know, why do we separate ourselves as Christians? Anyway, so I used to have these insights as I was growing up and things didn't make sense. And um, I uh, graduated from high school and from there I went uh, into college. I went to the University of Utah and uh my study was business finance. And while at the university, I, I was just overcome by the amount of liberal crap, we'll call it, uh, that they were feeding us and they wanted the students to take on that liberal bent or point of view. And if you did and you wrote your papers that way, you were always uh, graded better. Anyway, I saw through that I um, I uh, decided I wanted to be in law enforcement, which is kind of different uh, from the uh, college choice I made. But I, I joined the Provo Police Department as an officer. Um, before I went on the street, I went uh, into deep cover and I bought a lot of drugs. Uh, that was my... Uh, my assignment, buying drugs and buying weapons and whatever else that I could find and get into. Um, so I would, I did law enforcement for about uh, nine years and uh, got a chance to uh, see that uh, you get the best justice uh, money and political power provides. <laughs> you know, most common people don't have the access or the favors that are given to those that have money and political power. And so that's something else that graded on me. I, I was one of those people who believe that everyone should be treated equally under the law and quickly found out that, well, that's not the case. Let me uh, step in here for a second, just to kind of, catch up it's interesting what you've described so far uh, do you have any siblings or are you the only child i was the oldest of eight. Oh, okay I so that the uh the biological father abandoned us and so i uh, i had to grow up quickly i never had anything given to me i always had to work for what i got um so but it, it, it was a strength. Eventually, it became a strength. I used to wonder why, why it had to happen to me. But overall, I can see the wisdom kind of in uh, 
situation that I was in. Okay, so you had uh, oldest of eight. You grew up in Colorado, uh, a Mormon family, but you said your 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 dad left. Yes. You, you, he what, did. Uh, how how old were you when he left? He abandoned us, and I was uh, twelve, going on thirteen. Okay. Yeah. That's uh yeah that's that's a tough age. So when this not not to get off on a sidetrack on this, but at that age twelve, you know, crucial age when he left, are are you saying, which would make sense? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you saying that that <laughs> forced you to grow up pretty quick as far as the older brother, the male, to kind of step in a little bit to where dad's not there now? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. But then I, I had to learn over time to quit calling myself a victim and let the circumstances dictate my my feelings and my actions. So to get out of that victim-abuser mentality uh, was one of the victories that I got, you know, going through the experience. Okay. And then you uh, graduate high school in Colorado. Yes. Okay. And then you went to the University of Utah, which you mentioned your business finance. And then that led you into law enforcement, which is interesting. And some of that nine year period, you were deep cover. Uh, and you, you saw, you probably saw a lot. I'm sure you saw the underbelly, a lot of interesting thing behind the scenes being in law enforcement. And then, yeah, unfortunately, it's true. Money buys you justice. And, favors and there's like two or three tier system where maybe laws they they can skate and get out of prosecution or laws if you have connections and enough money um you you mentioned that you met your wife in utah did you meet her like during college or were you married while you're in this law enforcement what when did uh, you come in yeah uh, this is my my second marriage Okay. Um, my uh, the, the first uh, woman I married, uh, we divorced after 27 years. And uh, but the woman I'm married to now, if I had to go through everything that I did in order to meet her, it was absolutely worth it. So, um, yeah, I I had a son. We uh, we had one boy, and uh, just so it turns out that he. He was a scientist like you. He really enjoyed uh, biology and excelled in uh, science fairs. And he eventually um, got his doctorate in molecular and cellular biology. And now he's the head scientist for the Central Utah Water Project. So I'm pretty proud of Eric, you know, for what he was able to do. And, and uh, by the way, Jeff, he came away from uh, his college experience with no debt. He had no student loans. He worked yep, three jobs. Rare. Yes. He worked three jobs while he was getting his uh, bachelor's uh, in biology and science, and uh, then went to graduate school in um, Oregon, at Oregon State, and got his doctorate there. But uh, I'm, I'm 
proud, you know, of him and his accomplishments. And we didn't, of course, we didn't have the money to put him through college, but he worked hard and uh, he ran the lab and he got uh, his graduate school free. And so when he graduated with his uh, doctorate, he had no debt, no student loan debt at all. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Well, it sounds like he didn't have let any grass grow underneath his feet. Yeah, he was pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. But I started giving him tools when he was a boy. Mm -hmm. uh, we started out with craftsman tools. So I was kind of, I was very proud father when I could see you could tear apart his car <laughs> and put his car back together again. Uh, so he's... He's worked hard. Everything that he has, like me, he worked hard for. Nothing was given to him. Right. Yeah, that's builds character, and then that, that puts you in a different life perspective. You, you can kind of spot those individuals versus those that uh, view entitlement, uh, maybe on the less productive side, to put it politely. You can you can spot someone who's industrious, uh, a go getter, and self sufficient and independent, because that's rare. I think I, I'm not sure offhand. People might know, or that's something you could do a, a search, internet search. But I think it's very common for student students to graduate to have anywhere from thirty to, on average, thirty to sixty thousand dollars of student debt. Uh, more if you're into the PhD doctorate level. So to graduate and not have that debt, is, that's definitely rare. Yeah, I was extremely proud because he, he ran the lab at Oregon State up there when he got his PhD. So he was a hands-on guy, kind of like you. Um, does, do you have any grandchildren? Yet or I do. You do? Oh, yeah. okay. We do. Uh, combined with my wife, uh, who's a nurse, she has a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Um, with my wife and I, we have, let's see, six, seven, seven uh, grandchildren with one on the way. And my oldest stepson is the dentist. Uh, uh, and the others are have worked pretty hard. Pardon me, worked pretty hard to get where they're at too. Oh, okay. So we're proud, and, and we're blessed. Sure. We're absolutely blessed because we um, we have no problems, no health problems. So it's a prayer of gratitude every morning, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, we we've had conversations on Discord a lot lately about gratitude, the importance of having gratitude. And that's something I'm working on. I tend to forget about that, to bring that up. It's kind of, kind of shame on me. So that's one of the things that I'm working on. Definitely, uh, it's better off when you can find multiple things throughout the day to be grateful for. And then uh, testify to that fact, whether it's in prayer or some form of thanks or meditating, you you had mentioned 
that uh, you're you're kind of a, a mountain individual. So do you feel home in the mountains? Uh, I guess do you like the 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 seasons and winter or skiing or I mountain? do. Okay. Tell me a I little do. bit. I grew up skiing. Uh I started in Colorado and uh in our uh, discussion today on Discord, I think I let slip that I'm a I never snowboarded because that came after my time, but uh, I, I'm a skier. I really enjoyed skiing and excelled at skiing. And uh, uh, Alta, Utah was one of my favorite places to go. Um, I skied all over Colorado. And honestly, it's just, it's uplifting for me to be on the top of a mountain. And it's just a very uplifting feeling the beauty and the grandeur and the spectacular scenery and just being out in nature like you when you're, uh, when you're doing your kayaking. So uh, mine's a little bit different, but I love the animals too. I love watching the wild animals and watching them interact with their environment. It's just another testament, you know, to the greatness of uh, our creator. Yeah. I'm like you. I've, I've uh, skied probably not as much as you growing up in Colorado, um, being in the Midwest, but I would travel to Colorado, Utah to ski. And it was always very just peaceful and tranquil going up that lift and the top of them and the vista that you have and the quietness of snow, the, the sound deadening of, of snow and, and the beauty, just breathtaking. So any chance I, I could get to make that, 12 hour car drive in a four wheel drive to go up into the mountains to ski. I always look forward to that, but that's definitely uh, connecting to nature. There, there's on the other side of the spectrum, you know, there's people that love beaches. So they're more tropical. They, they love uh, probably Central America or the Caribbean type islands, Mexico, Cancun type with the beach. And I enjoy that as well, but, like you, if I had my choice, I'm definitely a mountain and cold weather. I love winter, always did. Um, enjoyed snow skiing and, of course, many years played hockey. And that was got my blood uh, growing up, the smell of the ice and all the hours and hours on the ice. So I'm definitely a winter person. I, I do not – I know this sounds weird, but I my least favorite season is summer. <laughs> I do not like – I do oh. not like – Hot, hot weather. I really can't stand it. So I prefer uh, fall and winter, my two favorite seasons. But it, it's different strokes for different folks. I can see where beach and summer would be people's favorite uh, or fall, the changing of the league. I, I understand it. It's not one size shoe fits all. The uh, It's interesting you mentioned um, – about being out in, in nature and then the importance of gratitude. What I was wondering, with, you don't have to say this if you don't want to, but with your, your wife being a nurse and we've, you and I, known each other for a while now on the Discord and Zoom conversations that we have, what's what's your take on 
it's almost three years now, but say last two and a half years, you know, this push for this pharmaceutical approach and then how they've engineered this, what they call a, a pandemic. Where, where do you stand on that? Do you, do you think uh, they're up to something shady or do you s support um, the solutions that they've presented with allopathy medicine? I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. There's no way on God's green earth that I'm going to put let them put that poison in my body. There's no way on God's green earth that I'm going to let them change the DNA in my body with mRNA injections. Um, my spirits, my my whole soul was screaming at me saying, this is so wrong. It's absolutely wrong. The sad part of it is, is uh, on my side, I know I'm going to be burying most of my family because the quote unquote, the prophet told them to get the jab. Okay. And, uh, so I know, I mean, it's a hard thing is, you know, to sit here and know that I'll probably be burying my family members. And, it, you know, what do you say? It's an individual choice. But I'm telling you, I knew with my whole heart that uh, it was it was abhorrent, and I I believed it was genocide back then. Well, you know how vocal I was on Rogue News in uh, January of 2020. I spelled in detail what this was all about. Two and a half, almost will be three years coming up in January. 100% correct. Not that I get any credit for it. I never will, and I didn't do it to get credit. But uh, it was unfortunate that that I was correct in detail. Many shows that I had with him, that was before the Outer Limits series. But um, I mean, we're, we're on the same page there. I'm just curious. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But your wife being a nurse, I'm kind of curious. What's, what's her take? Because she's got that medical training in that field. What's her or do you not want to comment on that? Oh, no, I'm fine with commenting on that. My wife believed the same thing that, that I believed, is that this was, this was wrong. The whole thing was wrong. The sad part about it is my wife's brother is a renowned uh, surgeon uh, in Portland, in the Portland, Oregon area, uh, where he taught robotic surgery to other doctors. And uh, he kind of... His wife is was Canadian. Now she's dual citizenship. But in order to go back to Canada, her her father's older, quite a bit older. Mm -hmm. So they were worried that he was going to pass away and that they couldn't get into Canada, you know, to take care of the arrangements uh, unless they got the jab. I can tell you that my brother-in-law regrets highly the fact that he took the jab and he has felt um, uh, repercussions from taking the injection. He notices the difference in his body and, and he would never, he said, I'd never do it again. I'll never get a booster. How, how old is he roughly? Uh, close to 70, okay. 70 years old, but he stayed in pretty good shape. Um, 
my wife and I, I'm again, I'm blessed. I'm blessed that I have a companion and, and a partner that, you know, feels the way that I do. And, you know, of course, much like you, we pray to be led and guided in all things. And I just, I'm so grateful that, you know, you have to put in the time, don't you, Chad? Spiritually, you got to put in the time and the effort um, in order to grow, in order to have these spiritual experiences. Nothing, I mean, you you can get a life-changing moment, but in order to pursue that relationship, you've got to put in the time and effort that it takes to get there. And once you get there, you never want to do anything that would give it up. So that's, I'm lucky that my wife and blessed that my wife feels the same way I do. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic because you know, there's a lot of families where they're split on that decision. One feels one way strongly. The other feels the other. I can't imagine that's, that's quite a large chasm. Uh, if it's between immediate family, spouses or ch children, teenage, adult children, and the family's not on the same page. I know that's friction. Probably <laughs> knowing the way the world works, that's probably also by design to yeah. split up families and cause tension there. Or if there's get-togethers and some family members aren't invited uh, or uncomfortable because they don't have the same viewpoint. So they're excluded. What, what a mess uh, the past three years, but you know, it's in interesting. We, we talked about this, the they're, they're jockeying now with laws and some countries have folded like a cheap suit quicker than others, especially the ones where Klaus Schwab brags that his graduates uh, have infiltrated many governments worldwide. But behind the scenes, and I know you're aware of this, but for the listening audience, the WHO, World Health Organization, part of UN, they're jockeying position to have global authority to declare pandemics and de declare protocols on how to deal with these pandemics. And they, they want the, the trump card. They want to be able to have the sole authority you, you you will, you shall, thou ought to do this. And they override any nation's constitution or national laws. And the WHO wants 500 vaccine schedule mandate by 2030. Many of which being a messenger RNA, which is a new technology that was spearheaded and funded by DARPA which is the scientific research department of the Pentagon, the military. And then they give grants and they hire out research to corporations or research scientists like your son would qualify and I would. But the messenger RNA is interesting because the concept and the funding was military. So since when does military get into vaccine development? Well, that's because the war strategy has shifted. Now, it's a war against the body. It's a war against DNA. It's war against mind control consciousness, which is a whole nother. We could have three or four episodes uh, discussing that. But the agenda, there's 
and I'll let you speak. I don't want this show necessarily be me rambling on, get your thoughts on it, but I'm leading up to a question to get your thought. There, there's, there's nothing stopping this agenda. You know, no one gets arrested. Uh, there's no judicial system uh, that's, that's effective in shutting this thing down. So with this agenda marching right along, and let's say the WHO has accomplished by 2030, they have 500 vaccine registered. I don't think that they mean every man, woman, and child gets 500 vaccines, but I think that's a total of vaccines. Some are children-oriented, some are male, female, but there's a total of close to 500 that they want people to um, be exposed to. If they roll this out and then they roll out a new central bank digital currency and um, identification to participate in their finances and to be able to log on the internet, to be able to keep your job or to be able to travel. If that's the case and you and I have a mindset, we don't want our body polluted. We don't trust these formulations. We don't want our DNA changed. Because originally, remember, they said, oh, this doesn't change your DNA. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so yeah. if that happens, yeah. if that happens, you know, we're going to be shut out of everything. Yeah. How will we survive? Well, What's the world going to look like for us as outside? We'll probably be viewed as domestic terrorists right off the bat. But when we can't travel or grocery shop or use a Visa or MasterCard or log on to the Internet, and not have access to healthcare, whatever that means nowadays. And maybe they'll tie utilities, getting electric or natural gas. If all this gets shut off because we're not getting juiced up and cooperating with the who, how are we going to survive? Well, I, I don't think they're going to be as successful as they really think they're going to be. I think uh, we're going to start seeing more uh, as the earth is expanding, as yep. the earth is is interacting with the dark star. Um, we're going to see more and more uh, uh, geological changes that are are quite dramatic. I think their supply lines are going to be taken down. I think their uh, their uh, um, oh, what's the term? Pardon my senior brain. Um, the supply chain. I don't think they're going to get uh, what they think they're going to get. I think that they're very expensive weapon systems. Um, I don't think they're going to work. I just see, and I I see, you know, God's hand in this. I really do. I I've gotten these insights, and uh, it's not going to be as they're not going to come near to what they'd like to. Maybe in certain areas they will. Mm -hmm. And remember that most most cities, uh, per our discussion today in uh, Discord, most cities, um, most of the population of the earth are in cities on coasts. Yes. So, so let me ask you a question. And it's the same question I'd ask San Francisco and Boston and New York and... Uh, those other cities, uh, Baltimore, how long can you tread water? <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it wouldn't take much to 
to uh, take out these centers that are a heavy support for deep state operations. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. I think it's a blessing, too. So what have I done? Well, I have my own power generation. I have my own water purification. I have my own security. I have my own night vision. I have my own uh, way to uh, uh, take care of uh, uh, sanitation. Uh, I have medical supplies. I've been doing this, Jet. It's, it's like I was born for this time. I've been doing this for 35 years, right. gathering things and preparing for this time. Not for me. And, and I'm with you when, it, <clears throat> when we say, I don't want to live forever. Not in these conditions. Oh, hell no. Correct. But what yeah. I want to do is help as many people as I can. I'm, I don't fear death at all. But what I, what I do want to do is help as many. If my family won't listen, my extended family won't listen, my neighbors won't listen, I'll help as many as I can. And that's, that's my priority. Yeah. Um, you told me something interesting. Just You don't have to describe it long, but maybe a, a minute's worth that I think the audience might find intriguing. Uh, and I think smart move on your part. And I'm going to, I'm going to think about maybe doing the same. You secured some equipment to, to distill. And you're going to distill, tell the audience what you're going to distill. And I think it's, it's brilliant. Okay. So, so knowing that the uh, supply chain is going to be severely disrupted again for one of the flock of black swans that are headed our way, I decided to um, take advantage of Amazon and I bought lab equipment. Uh, I bought uh, glassware where I can distill and concentrate uh, tinctures. So I can make tinctures. In fact, I have grow lights. I can grow my own herbs, uh, grow my own um, medicinal herbs, which are heirloom herbs, which I ordered years ago. I've got the seeds. I'm actually doing it now. I'm actually growing indoors now in my RV garage. So it's not like I listen, I listen to these things and say, what can I do personally to help? And so I thought, well, if I buy the glassware, if I, uh, if I have the, a lot of it, it takes vodka. You can use vodka in your herbs as an herbal extract, but you've got to have the lab equipment to be able to do that. So basically that's what I've done, knowing that pharmaceutical uh, products are going to be hard to get. And whether it's uh, a breakdown of the fi world financial system or for whatever war, for whatever reason, I want to, again, be able to help as many people as I can. So that's one of the directions that I've gone is uh, being able to produce my own tinctures and herbal extracts. Yeah. And I think that that's the way to go. And you can get uh, some of the equipment fairly inexpensive and i think while the supply chains 
still what's functioning and, and delivery, you know, your FedEx, UPS type is still available. It'd be wise to get some of that equipment. I've also mentioned to people and I've started to collect, and Greg, you might already have this, but get, get the books, get the old books in, in your possession. If it's a paperback or hard, but get, get the books of some of these old recipes and uh, herbal medicines, old school style stuff that was probably pretty common. Like when my parents were growing up in the thirties, forties and fifties. And uh, because if you don't have access to, to internet, having one of those books that have the recipes and which plants uh, and what roots or leaves to boil, how long, what do you add, add, to it is it uh linseed oil or um because herbs uh plants and concentrating that, them through uh distillation could be huge it's it's a valuable skill set but it absolutely could be huge especially if you don't you're shut out because you're a third class citizen not being all juiced up and then uh, you don't have access to your pharmaceuticals or even uh, retail giants, then you can still uh, get by with your personal skill set. I think that's vitally important, especially to people who are listening now. I would say, what uh, what interests you? What can you do if you had to establish a, uh, a family business and work out of your home? What skill sets do you have or what can you acquire to be in that situation when it comes time? Because uh, I, I do believe too, along the lines of they're never going to do what they say they're going to do. I believe in community. I believe that community will come together like-minded people like we talked today about resonances and being attracted to certain areas and to certain people. I believe that with my whole heart. Um, I think that uh, the strength will be in community and in individuals, again, that step up to the plate and instead of crying about the circumstances are proactive, you know, and coming up with answers. And that's where our, our hope is. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give a, because some of the audience is like, what What are you guys talking about? You keep talking about, uh, you mentioned on Discord or thing, and I'm, I'm not part of Discord. I'm missing out. Well, yeah, that would be, I'm missing out a lot of these conversations. I, I guess technically you could be invited. You have to send an email and re request um, uh, an, an invite. We try to screen people so we don't get trolls and haters in, in the group. But uh, I'll just... Tease, tease the audience. I don't know if this is going to be, Greg, a good thing or a bad thing. But what what I mentioned, it's very bizarre because everything I talk about is bizarre. That's why I, on Rogue News, it's called The Outer Limits, the Monday shows. But technically, what happens is part of our human design is we're supposed to be connected to the land. And we had, we had a brief discussion in, in ancient uh, biblical times. It talked about the Tower of Babel and Nimrod. And... Uh, it was a serious, serious enough situation that the watchers or uh, 
some of the angelic staff got in touch with God and said, um, I'm paraphrasing. This is Jet Blake's version. Uh, yeah, you might want to come down and take a look at what man's doing. Uh, this might be serious enough for your for your attention. So the scriptures indicate that uh, attention was turned and that uh, God said, uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is not good. So the language was confused. But Nim Nimrod, to give the audience an idea, we had a, at least a 30, 40 minute discussion. So this is going to be a four minute discussion. Nimrod was really the one that orchestrated, came up with an idea of city, cities and city governance. And that was a big no-no. We were supposed to be nomadic, li uh, agricultural, living off the land, not be herded together in a city, whether a city had walls uh, or you're congested in an area. Then it also makes it easier to set up a, a governance where you can rule and dominate that city. Uh, we're really meant to be clans or in tribes and mobile. Another aspect that we discuss, and this might sound bizarre to you, but just kind of tuck it away and think about the possibilities. We we have a certain uh, electromagnetic resonance. It's in harmony with our DNA and our body chemistry. Also, the water content of our body is an aspect of it. <clears throat> But what happens is, believe it or not, there are land masses. There's areas of land that you and I would do best in. Because what happens is you're supposed to live in an area where you resonate with the ground and the surrounding water of that region. And it will be the same resonance as your DNA and your water inside your body. If you find that, what happens is there's kind of an inner sense where you know, well, this is home. This is where you feel comfortable. Now, we touched on that earlier, but just to illustrate, Greg and I, for example, we love skiing. We love mountains. Uh, snow, winter doesn't bother us. We feel at home in areas like this. Uh, I live in an area where I strategically picked and I feel at home. So is he. Well, others, as I mentioned, feel at home in a tropical area near ocean, beach. Well, when you're in an artificial city, the construct of a city, you herd people in, in an area, the big metropolitan area, that might not be the ideal match with their body makeup, their body chemistry, the electromagnetic signal. A person might be naturally at home in the plains of the Midwest. I don't know, let's say Kansas. Oklahoma, Nebraska, Northern Texas, but they're in Boston because that's where their work is. It's not the same body fit. It's not fitting. It's not, it's not natural. So the world system of things has created dynamics where you're not able to meander Northern, Southern hemisphere. And there, there's more than one place where you'd feel at home, but we're, we're meant to gravitate to those areas and then call it home. The global system of things does not allow that natural process. And I think a lot of people are affected. Their health, uh, their mental, 
facilities because they're really living in an area that's not matching their body type, their resonance. And also they can't feel connected to the ground. Then it gets even stranger. So this is the second part. This will be about two minutes. Food. When you're connected, when you find your sweet spot where, where you are in rhythm with the land, then it, you're, we're meant to interact with our food. So we're supposed to be growing our own food, not go to a sterile grocery store or something that's packaged in uh, cellophane and uh, go to a checkout. You're disconnected from the food. You're supposed to be connected to the food. Typically, by design, you're supposed to eat food basically within 20 miles of where you live. You're not supposed to eat food that's any further from that distance. And there's metaphysical, there's biochemical and metaphysical reasons why. You are what you eat. You should be interacting with your food, and then you live off the land. But this should be a land where you've gravitated towards, and it's in resonance with you. All these complexities, this is never taught in any school or university. I'll let you talk. I've been talking for a while. Do you have any thoughts, Greg? No, I, I really enjoy your insights, um, Jet. I I guess I should say too, I I failed I failed to go a little bit farther with my background. Uh, eventually I left law enforcement and I bought in, I had some money set aside. And I bought into a company that had products that neutralized biological weapons. So with my background in law enforcement and in intelligence there, I kind of, I, our company made me the government liaison. So I found myself all of a sudden back in Washington, D.C., about two weeks out of the month for a little over five years. So I was flying back and forth, and uh, uh, I met uh, the movers and shakers of, in the political world. Uh, Senator Orrin Hatch, I met with him. I, know, I knew him personally. Um, I got a chance to meet uh, the Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I interacted with the uh, Surgeon General of the Army, Surgeon General of the Navy, Surgeon General of the Air Force. I worked, uh, did briefings with uh, Health and Human Services. I've been to the CDC and met with their national pharmaceutical stockpile people. I've been to uh, Fort Detrick. I've been to Fort Belvoir. I've been places uh, that a lot of people have heard about, but you have no idea uh, the uh, technologies that are being developed there. I know DARPA. I met some of their top people. Um, I've been out to the Dugway Proving Ground and seen their, seen their facilities out there and talked about how we could work together to mitigate uh, biological weapons. I gave briefings on Capitol Hill. Um, I, like I say, I've, I've lived an interesting life. I would have to, I mean, if I told someone this, they would, they would go, wow, you know, that's unbelievable. But the good news is, is I have proof. <laughs> so I've lived this interesting life and met these people. And I'll tell you, some of the top people I met, everybody in, in the federal government, um, almost all of them talked about population uh, reduction. 
And it's a theme. It's been a theme for years up there. Yes. And it doesn't surprise me that we're seeing what we're seeing now, you know? Yeah, because the the uh, the continuity of government, which is which is really make this it's more borderline the one world government, and then we'll have to have you back for a, you know another episode. I knew there'd be more material than one episode because we're coming up on the hour now. But uh, the continuity of government, let's say this this one world government that's fully functioning. It's not something that someday might be here it's been in operation for decades yeah they do have a mindset that now it's it's of military interest to reduce the world's population it's mission critical so that's why the military's gotten involved and not all the military we're talking about it's it's hard for the listening audience to realize i'm talking about two different types of military i'm talking about the ones that are underground the underground facilities and um not your rank and file air force navy army marines type but the other the other group they, they're definitely involved they're the ones that funded the darpa messenger rna operating system and being able to manipulate dna and five and six g technology as well as space-based technology where if if the war now is against what they view as overpopulation and it's mission critical and they need to do something their, their viewpoint is we need to do this for the sake of humanity and earth. And if five to six billion people have to go, then that's part of collateral damage. It needs to be done. And this depopulation and editing humans' genes and genetically engineering bioweapons or weather manipulation, this, this is actually greenlit. It's a real deal, and everyone doesn't know. They think, oh, that's conspiracy theory. That's hogwash. Uh, between what Greg knows and I know, not only are your days limited here on planet Earth, uh, the mindset is it needs to be done. Uh, they hate to, they hate to do it, but it's, it's a necessary, and we're viewed as collateral damage. So if they have their way, uh, they'll be successful, unless there's a non-human intervention that has a different idea. That's a whole nother discussion. Uh, my biggest problem, I think, I don't know if I waste my time with these ethereal underground and outer limits. I, I try to wake people. I'm trying to let people know uh, this is pretty serious. There is a, a warfare that's going on. We, we all have a target on our back. Um, it's important to kind of wake up to that fact and realize what's going on. And everyone's, usually like, nah, I just want to watch my Netflix or a ball game. And, and I can't get people to take this seriously. So I think I'm wasting my time. But there's, you know, maybe 100 people out there that listen to the show. In about seven or eight countries, I look at the analytics. But that's 100, 100 people. I'm not, I'm not able to make a dent and influence people at all. I've tried. I've been on the internet for my email, JetBlake2011 at Gmail, that's because 2011 is when I started doing YouTube channels and interviews as a scientist saying, uh, this is what they're planning, and here's where the technologies are at. So how long has that been? Like 11 years? R around 11 years? And my channels never grew. I'd only get a handful of emails thanking me for the show or inquiring more information. 
So I thought, well, that's pretty pathetic after 11 years and being on all these different platforms. I haven't been able to make a dent at all, to be honest. I mean, well, I, I don't mean to depress everyone, but that's that's where I'm at. After 11 years, I've, I've only influenced a thousand people. I would like everyone to know that's listening to this program that what Jet is presenting to you is absolutely true. I've, I've lived it myself. I've seen it myself. I've heard it myself. And so when I met Jet, um, it was like I was cheering. In fact, I, I cheer every time he comes on because he is giving us more information that we, we desperately need. You know, if you care about your family and you care about others, and you care about people, then, uh, you know, stepping out of the way of, of danger and being able to sidestep some of the things and technologies that are headed our way um, is going to help a lot, again, help a lot of people. Yeah, so I think right now I've stressed we're, we're kind of late in the game. This thing's pretty serious, what they've unrolled, and, and they really have control of, of the weather. And it's affecting uh, crops and the supply chain. This is pretty serious. It's it's going to be very stressful. 2023, 2024, very difficult years. 2027 and 2028, you're going to be noticing very scary geological events as far as the Earth's concerned and the solar system dynamics. But everyone, no one will believe that until it's actually happening. And then they'll be like, Maybe his episodes were correct <laughs> when it's too yeah. late. But um, the uh, I think now the as far as like the SOS or the the flare the red flags I'm saying is now it's I would strongly recommend find that community as fast as possible and see if you can start getting involved in uh, in a garden growing your own food. I had a mayor on even if you're in an urban area he's got those modules where you can grow food inside your apartment, even if you're downtown Chicago. So I, I encourage that and try to find, man, if you could just find 10 to 30 people somewhere in your township that are like-minded, start developing relationships, maybe start developing relationships if you have in an area like a butcher. Are there any local farmers that aren't too, too far away? Um, someone that's got a local garden and uh, just introduce yourself and tell them what your concerns are and you'd like to develop friendships in a community. You, you got to get off your rear end and do something as opposed to just thinking someone else is going to solve this. Uh, the white hats or a certain politicians going to, no, that's not how it works. You got to get off your rear end and start immediately. In fact, you sh there should have been huge red flags three years ago when they started pulling the stunt of this global pandemic. I mean, that's a huge wake up call, but enough preaching there. Well, uh, what we'll do is, cause we're at the hour, we'll wrap this up. I'll have you back. You know, I've had others back, uh, Nick, Crypto Cowboy, and, and I'm gonna have Marco back. and Many of the other people that I enjoy talking to, there's some new people lined up in the weeks to come. But you've got so much information, we could easily have two more episodes. 
which I, you know, we, we talk all the time. I can get in touch with you and see what your schedule's like after the first of the year, mid January or something, and just get you on uh, ethereal underground again. Thank you, Chuck. Well, with that being said, we'll look forward to next time Greg's able to visit us. We'll continue this conversation and he can tell some more interesting stories about his background with the, you know, the Department of Defense and the different military agencies and that why he's got that bio Greg as his avatar. And then uh, what his thoughts are and uh, pick his brain a little bit. He's the baby boomer generation, 66 years old. So you're part of that baby boomer generation. And that's interesting because uh, in our next episode, I'll mention it also. May, I might a little bit on uh, outer limits, but it looks like the baby boomer generation, uh, they're really in the crosshairs because I think uh, they have a lot of wealth. I think that there's certain entities that want to strip the baby boomers of their wealth and they want to shorten the baby boomers life expectancy. I, I definitely see that. Um, I'm, I'm just the next generation under that. So I'm not spared by any means, but there's definitely a bullseye on Greg's generation and my two sisters are part of that generation. And I'm like, uh Oh, this isn't looking good. They're, they're, uh, they're definitely being targeted. So any of you in the listening audience that fits in that group, you might, be interested in future episodes where I can might kind of spell that out, map out what they're doing so that you can at least maybe try to take a defensive posture if you take what I have to say seriously. Well, uh, we'll end it there as I always tell everyone and, and Greg does this as well. If you can do some type of uh, sun gazing in the morning or evening, a sunrise or sunset, try to uh, be out in nature get grounded even if it's uh it does wonders if you could do 15 minutes a day let's say 15 minutes 20 minutes a day where you're outside even if it's cold you know just get bundled up with your hat and gloves on but get outside get sunlight uh in nature uh, try to eat and exercise try to be as healthy as as you can and um reach out to nature. I think that is really important and get away from this matrix of plastic and leather and Wi-Fi and fluorescent light fixtures. So with that being said, um, take care and wish uh, everyone well.